everybody could turn in your Bible to Matthew 7. We're going to finish the Sermon on the Mount today. Don't stand when you find it. Just uh, let me say a few things before we stand. Let your legs rest a minute. All right. Again, uh, we will be talking about profession, a true profession of Christ and false profession of Christ. It seems like that's been the Lord's focus in, in the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. I guess he wants to emphasize the fact that you and I know for certain that we are a child of God. And we don't want to know the other one, right? We don't want to know that we're not a child of God. We want to know for certain that we are a child of God. The Sermon on the Mount described the character, it described the conduct of those people, of God's children. The Sermon on the Mount ends with a sharp contrast that you and I have to uh, reason through and understand the consequences and the reality of that, con uh, of that uh, contrast. Those who are God's people and those who are not. In, in reality, God has divided all of humanity from Adam and Eve up until today. All of humanity is divided into two groups. That's all there is. There's not several. There's not many there's not a few. There are two groups that God has divided you in two. All right. The danger awaits for those who say they are Christians, but they find out they're not. That's why Jesus keeps emphasizing this reality to us. He doesn't want you to be in that group that goes to the end of your life, stands before him after death, and you find out, that you missed. You find out that you weren't his child after all. So he emphasizes the last of the Sermon on the Mount on that subject. He focuses his attention to that for you and I today to understand that the whole human race is divided into two groups, believers and not believers, children of God, not children of God. The contrast began back in verse 13. With Jesus mentioning the two gates. Two gates, two ways, two ends. He goes on to talk about two trees. A good tree, a bad tree. In verses 17 through 19. In Matthew chapter 10, he continues that thought with this. Some will find life, will find their life. Others will lose their life for his sake. So we got those who find life, we got those who lose their life for his sake. We have life eternal, we have life uh, death eternal. Some are granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Some are not granted to know the mystery of the kingdom. Some who have, more will be given. To others who have, not what they have will be taken. Two groups, right? All the way through the teaching of Jesus. Some who, uh, or let's go to the wheat and the tares. We're in Matthew 13 on Wednesday nights. He talks about the wheat and the tares. He talks about the sheep and the goats. All of the human race has been divided into two groups. This morning, we will learn who's who. You'll understand the important part of deciding which group you are in and the way that you can do it. That is boiled down to this, those who respond to his words and those who do not. All right, now let's stand one more time and let's read Matthew 7, 
verse 24 is where we will begin. Matthew 7.24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell in great was its fall. And when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray again. Father, we ask today that you would bless the reading of your word and the application of your word in every heart that is here this morning. And I pray, Father, that your will is done in this place and you shine your light upon us. Shine your face on us, Lord, and let us see your grace and your glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The same theme Jesus used in those texts that we just read, two groups, Two significant words I want you to look in verse 24 with me one more time. Two words, very important. The word hears, H-E-A-R-S, and the word acts, A-C-T-S. Jesus is saying this, actions speak louder than words. All right? What you say uh, means something, but what you do means everything. That's what Jesus is talking about this morning. The one who hears His words and does them is the wise man. Hearing and doing. But the one who hears his words and does not do them is foolish. You might get a kick out of this. The Greek word for foolish is our word moron. You're not supposed to say this in church, but it means stupid. The one who hears his words and does not act upon them is stupid. Okay? And he goes on to explain that we need to understand this. This person, this foolish man, has not considered the consequences of hearing and not doing. He just hears and goes on about his life. Now I want you to notice something in our story. Both men hear. The difference is in the response to what they hear. Responding is the issue, and this is where Jesus focuses this morning. Doers and not doers. Two groups, amen? Two differences. And they're both resulting in what their life has been built upon. When we see the word house there, you can just put your life in place of that house. Put the word life, your life, in the place of that house. He talks about a foundation. Let me talk about that a moment. We read, we sang some songs today about foundation. David even prayed about a foundation. Jesus speaks here about the foundation. Our scriptures today were about foundations. All right? And so what is the foundation Jesus is speaking about here? It's not your faith. Now sometimes we rest upon our faith and we trust in in the faith that we have in God. That's not the foundation that's mentioned here today. Not your faith. It's not your works. 
You hear, you do His work. That's not the foundation that Jesus is talking about. So it's not my faith, it's not my works, it's not even what you believe about God, about Jesus. That's not the foundation. It's not even your desires for the kingdom of heaven. That's not your foundation. What is the foundation Jesus is speaking about this morning is His words. Look at that again, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, he is like a man who builds a house on the rock. So it is the words of Jesus that are the foundation today in our text that we are going to discuss. These are the words of Jesus. They hear them, they act upon them, they are a wise person who builds his house on a rock. Now, the words of Jesus are just not the Sermon on the Mount. He ends the Sermon on the Mount with that saying, here's these words of mine. But the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus are throughout the Scripture. Amen? Not just in Matthew 5 and 7. So it's the whole counsel of God's Word that you and I live by and build our life upon. Now, everybody loves the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, even a non-believer loves the Beatitudes, right? Uh, the things that we should do, the, the Beatitudes that Jesus began the sermon with. Everyone loves the Lord's Prayer. You might find somebody that doesn't even go to church that can quote you the Lord's Prayer. Everybody uh, loves the phrase, don't worry about tomorrow. We all can appreciate that and understand what he means by that. Everyone loves the Sermon on the Mount. Well, not everyone, because some people don't like Jesus' limits on divorce in the Sermon on the Mount. I, I don't want to talk about that part of the Sermon on the Mount. I don't like that part. Or what about me being forbidden to do my Deeds in front of people so that I'll be noticed. I don't know if I like that part, Brother Clay. I'm sure that I would like to have some recognition. So not everybody likes that part about the Sermon on the Mount. And, and what about the part about the narrow way? You know, not everybody likes that part about the Sermon on the Mount. So the, what we have to do is we have to understand that there are consequences to following all of His teaching or not following his teaching. I can't pick and choose out of the Sermon on the Mount what I want to follow. I can't pick out of the Bible what I want to follow and what I want to do. When God tells me to forgive someone, he doesn't leave that as an option. Amen? He says, forgive them or I can't forgive you. So I don't get a choice in the matter. I have to follow the teachings of Christ. All of the way through the Bible. These words of Jesus, as he said there in verse 24, these are his words. Now, now the world perhaps, even you, might find those words restricting a little bit. You might find those words uh, reforming the life that you wanted to live. And as you read the Bible, you come across a, a word or a, a phrase or a teaching that says something that you're doing, and the Bible says it's wrong. What do you do with that? 
toss that page in the trash? You can't do that. It doesn't change God's word whatsoever just because you nullify that. It's still there. So what you have to do is you have to adjust your life to what this says. And this is what Jesus is teaching us this morning. There's people that do that. And then there's people that don't do that. You might be seated here this morning and you agree with God's word, but you're not adjusting your life to it. Guess what group you're in? You're in the group that doesn't do. You're in the group that doesn't believe. And so you have to make a decision this morning. God's giving us fair warning. It's not going to come upon you on judgment day. You won't be surprised when you stand before him and you hear those words. Because you've been warned. He's been telling you all of your life. And he's telling you here this morning that you need to adjust to his words and his ways and his teaching. The believer understands that his words are life. Amen? The world doesn't see it like that. Some say they don't read the Bible because it's, it's not interesting. Well, I, I, if you start in the book of Leviticus and you start trying to read the Bible there, I, I'll give you that. It's not real interesting until you read before Leviticus. And then when you come to Leviticus, bam, it comes alive and you can understand what it's trying to teach you. But that's an excuse some people use for not reading the Bible. It's not interesting. Others use the excuse that they don't have time to read the Bible. Or that they can't understand the Bible. The real reason is this. It's too dangerous to read the Bible. That's why you don't read it. It's too dangerous. Because it demands that you do something. It doesn't give you options. It gives you a plan. It gives you purpose. It gives you commandments. It shows you about grace. But it demands that you do something. That's why people don't read the Bible. It must be applied. That's what Jesus is saying. To those who hear my word and then do it. They are the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Now, Jesus and his words are inseparable. He says, these words of mine. They're not Brother Clay's words. They're not some other preacher's words or a prophet's words or somebody else's words or your words. They're his words. And so they are inseparable from him. To reject the Bible, then, is to reject Jesus Christ. To say that it's not interesting, you're saying he's not interesting. To saying you don't understand it, you're saying you don't understand him. To say you don't have time to read it, you're saying you don't have time for Jesus. His word and his person are together. They are one. They are his words. Some say that they love Jesus, but they reject portions of the scripture. They're unwilling to accept his teaching, which are, by the way, his teachings. So to reject his teachings is to reject him. Do you see it? That's why he can say, those who hear and do not do are the foolish man. Now, let's get a little deeper. So we say that we believe in the scripture, but we want to not live the scripture. 
to believe in the scripture is to live out the scripture. You can't believe something and not live it out. Amen? Something's wrong with that concept. So you have to believe it and you show that you believe it by living it out. You hear it, you act on it because you believe it. And therefore, you receive the benefit of it. To believe and to do is to be a true Christian. Why is this important? Why is that important? Let me tell you why. Because the storm is coming. Let's read again in verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. The house built on the rock. What about the house built on the sand? The rains fell, the flood came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And so now we've got two houses, but a storm is coming to both. Same storm, same kind of storm, same results of the storm. Perhaps both of these homes are built with similar methods, maybe even the same blueprint. They both look very much alike. The construction materials might be the same. It might even be uh, the same crew that built the houses. One was built on rock, one was built on sand. That's really the only difference. The construction materials of your life, what are those? Your work, where you work, what you do at your work, your career, the school that you want to attend out of high school. The things you'll learn at that school and how that school affects you and the foundation that's been laid in your life. Those are things that you need to understand. The recreation that you do, what you enjoy on the weekends, what you, where you like to go, what movies do you like to watch. All of those things come into the foundation of your home, the foundation of your life. Now, both of these men have heard the word. Amen. They both hear it. They both got the same message. They both built a house. They both prayed. Perhaps they read their Bibles. Perhaps they attended church. Both of the houses looked the same, but the storm is coming. Now, the house difference may not be seen out front. Same landscaper. Same grass in the front yard, same shingles on the roof, same paint job. Everything looks the same, but there is a profound difference in these two houses, right? We understand what that is. It's the foundation that's been laid. It's the foundation that the house is built upon. It's the foundation that you base your life existence upon. That's what Jesus is focusing on today. The difference is the foundation, which are, by the way, what? The teachings of Jesus. Not your faith, not your desire, not your beliefs, but the words of Christ applied to you. That is your foundation. One heard and he acted upon what he heard. The other heard, but he did not act upon what he heard. We know the results. We're not talking about agreeing with the Word. You know, when I was first a Christian and I began to read my Bible, I ran across a lot of stuff that was going against the grain of my life. And you know what? I could say, I agree with that, but I'm not going to do it. I think that's profound truth, but I'm not going to apply it to my life. 
I'm going to still go to church. I'm still going to give my money. I'm still going to do these things. But I'm not going to do that or this because I read it in the Word. I'm hearing the Word, but I'm not acting upon the Word. And you know the results. The appearance of these homes are the same. What makes that appearance? When a person builds his house on the sand, why would he do that? Why would a person coming to church or even not coming, why would they build their life on the sand? Well, number one, it might be the appearance. They're after the appearance of being a Christian. Now, that seems silly. That seems like a waste of time. Why would you want to appear to be a Christian but not really be one? Well, why would you want to be a a Pharisee, but not really be connected to God? Because you want the appearance. You want the notoriety. You want the position. You want the favor. You want the blessings that might come with that Christian appearance, but you really don't possess it. So some people build a house on the sand that looks like the guys on the rocks. But his life is for appearance only. Some people build their house on the sand because they expect a quick fix. They they come to Christ. They've got major issues in their life and problems. They come to church hoping to get those resolved. And they they come and they have a a religious experience with Jesus. They, They might even get baptized for heaven's sake, and then they go off and they attend and they go and attend and they go and attend. And, and after a couple of months, they still got these same problems in their life because God hasn't fixed them. So they built the house on the sand because they were expecting a quick fix. I, I promise you this, God can fix any issue in your life quickly. But if you come to him for that reason... There's only one reason to come to Him, and that's to have your sin dealt with. And if you don't come for that reason, then all of your problems are going to remain. You've got to take first things first, and you come to Christ because you're a sinner. And you need grace, and you need forgiveness, and you don't worry about your problems. You leave that baggage outside when you come to His altar, amen? And you get yourself fixed. Seek ye first. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Get your life with Him right, straight, and everything else will fall into place over time. Amen? But some people build a house that looks like a Christian on the sand because they want a quick fix in their life. Other reasons... People build them as they're looking for a shortcut or whatever the case may be. They build a house on the sand, not really understanding what they are bypassing. What are they bypassing when they build a house on the sand? Well, if Jesus is the rock and they build on the sand, what are they missing? The rock. They're missing Jesus. They're missing the relationship that comes with knowing Him, with, with understanding Him, with being saved, being saved by Him. He is the firm foundation. His teachings are the words of life and the way that you and I should live. Many want the teachings of Jesus, but they don't want the Jesus of the teachings, right? So they build a house on the sand. Now, without Jesus and His teachings, the storm's coming, 
The storm is coming, and it'll be the same storm. And Jesus wants you to know today that that storm would be judgment day. That storm will be where you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ Himself as He sits on His throne. And either His angels come and separate you, or they come and escort you. Amen? He wants you to be those escorted in. He wants you to hear those famous words, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what He wants you to hear. That's why He's telling you this this morning. You can know whether you possess Him or you're just professing Him today. Right now in this place, you can know which group you're in. Right now, let's talk about that. Your foundation is going to be tested, even today, right now. Now, you will either do one of two things. Under testing, you will fall apart, okay? Or you will stand firm, all right? That's a good indicator of which group you're in. When you're tested, you'll either fall apart or stand firm, that's the group that you are probably in. Now, the rejected at the judgment, well, by then it's too late. So let, let's talk previous to that. Let's talk from now until judgment. Which group am I in? How do I know? How do I understand? Well, when you look at yourself and you look at your life, who are you trusting? Do you trust yourself to fix everything or do you trust Him? Do you go to your wisdom or someone else's wisdom or do you go to him for his wisdom? Do you go to his word for answers or do you try to figure it out yourself? I'm dividing into two groups. Do you see that? There's two ways. There's two groups. There's three ways that your foundations are going to be trust or tested. Number one, judgment day. Too late. I don't want to wait till then. So number two, I can be tested uh, uh, judgment day, number one, I can be tested by trials today. And the third way is that I can do a self-examination. Right? Three ways that my foundation is tested. By judgment, by trials, and by self-examination. The first one we really don't want to talk about. Alright? It's too late. When we get there, we, we can't go back. So let's talk about the second one. Let's talk about the trials. When things happen, as I said, who do I trust? Where do I go? And what do I do? Do I stand firm on the promises of God for my life? Do I stand firm on the promises of God for His kingdom and my future with Him? Do I trust in what He has told me that I am His child, that I am saved? That I am His. I know because I know because I know. Amen? Do I have that in me? Or am I not sure? Am I wondering? Am I questioning? What have I built my life on? Have I built it on Christ and His Word? Or have I built it on my understanding? Or my application of life? Or some other scheme or plan that I've learned somewhere else? The third way is self-examination. You know the Bible tells you to examine yourself. You know. Your heart knows. The Holy Spirit knows within you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, He will convict you that you need to be saved. If you have the Holy Spirit, He will assure you that you are saved. 
Examine yourself. Look what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test? Don't you know if Christ is in you? Don't you understand it? Can't you feel that? Can't you experience that Holy Spirit living in you? Unless you fail the test and you learn that He's not in you. God gives you warning today. You can change all of that even now in this place. What have you built your life upon? I'm not asking you to agree with these words. You can agree with them and not build your life on them. I know a lot of people that are doing that. In fact, most of the other group has done that. They agree with the Bible, but they're not building their life on it. They're just plunging through life head first, unaware, blind, and unknowing. Just prodding along in the darkness. All the while believing in God, believing in His Word, but never applying it to their life. When you read something in the Word of God and it rubs you the wrong way, you need to change. Amen? You need to stop doing what you're doing. It might cost you your job. It might cost you a relationship. It might cost you friendships. Those are hard words to examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. Unless you fail the test. But you know what? I know some harder words. Depart from me. Because I never knew you. Those are harder words. Amen. We don't want to hear those words. We want to understand what God is telling us today. He's preparing us. He's giving us warning. He's helping us to see. It's not about you agreeing with it. It's about you living it. Do trials and troubles crumble you? Or do you stand firm on the promises of God? Jesus' words are life. In John chapter 6, Jesus was walking along teaching again some very difficult words. And some of the followers said, hey, those are difficult words. And you know what they did? The Bible says in John 6, they turned away from him to walk with him no more. They made a decision. What he's teaching me, I cannot accept. I will not adjust my life to that. They turned and walked away. Jesus, in John 6, turns to his 12 disciples. And he says, do you Want to go away also? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do you hear that this morning? Wherever you're seated right now, Jesus has the words of eternal life. And it's not that you agree with them. It's that you do them. You live them. I'm not talking about earning your way. You can't earn your way. But what you do is you accept the grace offered through Christ, and then your life is transformed. And you are made new. 
and you walk a different path and you say goodbye to that old life, that old sinful nature, and you take on the new nature that Christ gives you and you become salt and light. And people see you and people recognize you and people know something's happened to you. You've been changed. You've been made new and they come to you and ask you, what's going on with you? And you tell them, I'm following the teachings of Jesus. You Bible thumper. You crutch bearer. You hypocrite. They can call me words and beat me up all they want to. But they can't change the fact of this. That Jesus forgave me and gave me a new life. And I love Him for that. And I will follow Him to the end of my life because of what He did for me. That's what you can say. Amen. They can't take that from you. They can take your self-respect. They can take your uh, position. They can take your authority. But they can't take Jesus from you. He has the words of eternal life. What are you building your life on today? What's the foundation in your life? Is it Jesus? You can begin that right now. Right here in this place, you can make the decision to turn away from the wrong and turn to the right and turn to Christ and follow Him. He's giving us a fair warning. Amen? You won't be surprised on Judgment Day. Everyone in this room, I can't talk about the guys outside these walls. I can talk about the people watching on the Internet because they're listening. All of us here have been warned. We cannot be surprised on Judgment Day. I pray you're not. I pray that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus is yours and you are His. Let's pray. Father, bless this moment. Father, you've given us a great word today at the end of the greatest sermon that you've ever preached or anyone has ever preached. And Lord, I pray that your word penetrates the hearts of all the people here that are questioning, that are wondering, that are not sure. Give us courage, Lord. Give them courage, Lord, to step up and accept you today and your ways and your teaching and let them step into life eternal with you. I pray for those who have wandered away, that we have gotten away from your teaching, that we aren't uh, following it today as it should be followed. Give them the courage to come home, to turn around, to stay, to say no to sin and say yes to God. And Father, I pray for all of the people in the world, two groups, two groups of people, God. I pray for those that don't know you today. I pray that they might hear your message and be saved before that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.